Hello there, and welcome to the Sports Scientist Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, the only one you should care about, and uh, this fat guy, the marshmallow man, a PhD in marshmallows and uh, <laughs> fat people stuff. I'm not fat shaming fat people, but you know, if it jiggles, it's probably fat. <laughs> and uh, to my left, uh, Dr. Jakey uh, Reedy, a sports physiologist and a professor of like uh, stuff that I don't understand. There's a bro in the fucking James is still alive. The T1000 <laughs> failed me again. Yeah. That's it. Go ahead, Mike. Rip it. Yo, yo. Check, check. One, two, one, two. We're going to start off with, uh, hello, welcome to the Sports Scientist Podcast. I guess we should start it's off good place. That. It's been a while. <laughs> good place to start. Yeah, a while. it's been a while. A kind of rusty. Again? Say what? No. Carry on. Yeah, huh? carry on. All right. I'm going to start out with a quote that uh, our mutual friend Yasha has uh, taken a picture of, and I want everyone's thoughts on it. This picture, uh, it was at the Nike store. And it says, quote, if you have a body, you are an athlete. What if you're a ghost? A ghost athlete? It's a spirit body. It doesn't have like an actual body. Well, they're ghost athletes, James. What the fuck is your point? I'm asking, does, does, are there ghost athletes? Because they don't have bodies. That's a good point. Oh, I'm going the other way. What if your body like doesn't have a discernible constitution? Like if you're a jelly, like a gelatinous. So cube? now you're meat shaming, meat body shaming. <laughs> or if you're like a zombie See, in D&D rules, like, if you can't be <laughs> critically athlete. hit. All right, Vin Diesel, take it easy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Jake, is, does I everyone mean, have, have a body, an athlete? I, I guess we got to ask what an athlete is. Somebody that has a body. <laughs> <laughs> is that That's the definition of an athlete now, yeah, eh? the lowest you, you just got to have a body, yeah. and you're, holy hell. That that's, means that's like a doctor. Yeah, it means like a doctor can come in to see a patient. Who's completely inactive their whole life, weighs like 600 pounds. And he's like, so I see from your chart, you're an athlete. And they're like, no, I'm not. He's like, no, you have a body. You're an athlete. Bro. It's Nike, me. Nike said. So. I feel like that's the same thing asking if like esports are athletes or not. Yeah. They're people who play video games. Right. Like they have bodies, MLG, but baby. they play video games. Yeah. I mean, it's like not dogging it, but can you imagine like one of those guys like in first class sitting next to like an NBA player flying somewhere? And those are both rich. And he's like, the NBA player's like, oh, what do you do? He's like, yeah, I'm an athlete. The NBA player's like. So, what sport? You're like e-sport. Like, I don't know. Is that ecstasy sport? I, I play Counter Strike. <laughs> like, oh, like in real life with real guns. They're like, no, it's still a video game. Like, what you trying to say oh, about cool. Counter Strike? I'm I'm surprised people are still playing Counter Strike and still making money playing Counter Strike. Right. Oh yeah, Some, somebody just got busted for cheating hardcore on it too. What? How do you do yeah. that? Uh, I have no. Sometimes idea. they have like E-Police. a modded version of the game. Yeah, he had some like. Aiming mod. Oh, that he got caught in competition. Yeah. I can't Damn. believe that. What an asshole. Yeah. He should be banned and drug tested and banned again. What would they drug test for in esports athletes? Stimulants. Well, uh, no, <laughs> Amphetamines. No, the same stuff that like. Um, Pro vigil, new vigil. Oh, like, the, the things heart are rate, rest, yeah, resting heart rate. Resting heart rate. Things, um, exactly. What are those called? It's a. Uh, Shit. Like beta blocker? Beta blocker. Yeah. Because yeah. it keeps them like violin performer calm. Right, exactly. But that's not performance enhancing. Right. That just calms you down. Yeah. So you can perform really well. So exactly. MLG guys do have, are all athletes. Yeah, I agree. Who? MLG, Major League Gaming. Oh, wow. Sports. Sports. Yeah. There's actually a, a, there's a, a Netflix series. It's called like 
what is it or some, something something like that and what it is what it is and that they're <laughs> like kidding. they're like 20 30 minute mini featurettes on different topics like they have one on e- uh, like uh, bitcoin they James have one Hoffman's on daily life yeah <laughs> they have one on uh, esports so if you want like a quick quick synopsis of esports oh, there there's go. a little netflix one. Oh, our netflix plug from james hoffman all right folks jake reed a dr reed to you plebeians is a sports scientist and you have been uh, previously employed as a sports scientist in what capacity um well i was at texas a&m doing and, what uh monitoring just essentially running the gps tech in there just doing some basic monitoring stuff but just data management analysis helping interpretation making shit happen foosball you playing foosball behind football. my back it's the devil's game i was so because jake is a monitoring expert we have monitoring questions for him from the wonderful world the wellspring of knowledge would do you think it would be better if we used twitter no yes that place is awful yes. god i'm not even on twitter no i'm on twitter technically because my facebook auto posts to twitter but if anyone's reached out to me on twitter i don't ever respond because i don't know how to log in i literally we lost my get, login I have no we idea. should get xbox live <laughs> questions Ooh. Xbox live. a 13 year old's like hey Fuck you. Don't say it. <laughs> They're going to make mom jokes and racial shit. Um, yeah, that's uh, probably what they would start with. All right. Yeah. So, um, some questions about monitoring from Instagram. Hypothetical situation from the real JLEC. Hmm. If I measure my HRV, heart rate variability, and it says my performance may be down and I have a poor training session, is it more likely a physiological cause or did seeing that my performance is predicting to be down result in me psychologically limiting my training, a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts? I have a hunch it would be better to combine HRV with additional fatigue management methods, but an answer from an expert would be nice. Uh, you you have to use multiple things. Like it's, I, I always give the analogy of having a toolbox. Like You don't have a toolbox that just has a hammer in it. Like you have a drill, you have saw, you have a bunch of other things that are there to help you build a house or build whatever the hell you're building. Cock rings. Exactly. Like <laughs> it's super important component to it. Mm-hmm. But if you're relying on just HRV and you see I'm in the red and I got to back off and then you go try to train harder and it's bad. Like, yeah, there's probably a psychological component. There's probably some physiological issues as well. But end of the day, you already went into that knowing that it's going to be tra- shit. So why would you even do that? Whereas if you had other metrics that were able to help either validate that or at least to say, hey, you know what? That might be the case, but everything else looks good. Let's go kick some ass. Like you have to have other things. I mean, it doesn't need to be tech. It can just be super simple stuff. But yeah, you have to have something else. How how many metrics do you think is the beginning of a decent monitoring toolbox? Are we talking about 10? Are we talking about 3 to 5? Are we talking about 18,000, which is how many Marcos has for his daily I just got my aura ring. That's it. Oh, yeah, just one. That's right. Uh, You got to measure cause and effect. So you should probably have at least like like cause being training volume specifically a a lot of the time. Um, so you should probably know what the hell you're doing that's going to cause, okay. that's going to lead into some effect. And your effect should be probably multifaceted. So a psychological, uh, variable, some sort of physiological things like body weight, heart rate, and then perceived fatigue. Um, sickness is a good one. And then if you're feeling sore or not, like you go, you cover those four or five things, you'll be able to have enough information hmm. to know. That sounds pretty good. familiar. Something that we've <laughs> been preaching for a long time. I haven't, I, I don't believe in any of that nonsense. So. I think you should go from uh, by what you feel from your heart. Yeah. 
There's a name for that. What is it like? Intuitive training? Intuitive training? Yeah. Asked Dorian Yates what he thought about intuitive training. He said, if I did intuitive training, I'd be on my couch having a beer right now. You know who uh, used to <laughs> And then he won his six Mr. Olympia. <laughs> Lee Priest. He did intuitive training. Yeah. yeah, it was Lee Priest is like uh, kind of known for being an iconoclast. What do you think about people who get face tattoos like Lee Priest? It's a commitment. It's definitely a, you know, you're willing to go out and say, I'm I'm going to color my interactions with everyone from now on in a very sort of preconceived notion kind of way. It's I like the shape of different. my head. You know, you don't look at me and say, "Oh, that man's a computer programmer." You say he's probably violent. In some yeah, capacity. it's like for me, it's like there's something off. Like something's weird. You're, I mean, like if you're willing to get a tattoo on your face, you are willing to dismiss a lot of like normal social interactions. You I don't know, know like man. Weird- what about the dude that gets a Prince Albert? Can't see it right away, and then by the time you get there, it's too late. But that's covered There's up. There's probably more right. Prince Alberts than there are face tattoos. No one's like having their fucking schlong and their Prince Albert flopping around out in public. Depends My where you're at. Ta- face no, tattoos I like just out there. Depends where you're at. <laughs> I just know that the face tattoo tattoo took away from my enjoyment of the China salesman last night. Oh, God. Folks, I, we have a movie recommendation. We saw a Steven Seagal film called The China Salesman. It was also a Chinese-produced film. Just to give you a sense of how amazing this movie was, it was two hours long. It was an action pseudo-documentary. And it uh, cost $20 million. We looked this up. It was $20 million to make. And it netted $1.2 million in box office. That's global. Just, that's global, correct. Oh, you can't forget Mike Tyson's in it. Mike Tyson's in it. Yes. Face tattoos. Dude, it's so fucking bad. Steven Seagal's in it for maybe a collective 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's generous. And it, his, his, his role yeah. is like, again, it's by no means totally clear. Totally unclear. Mike yeah. Tyson tries to do like an Afrikaans accent the whole time. Oh, it's it's just. Yo, it's the kids. What, what's up, my brothers? That was literally it. It was yeah. literally like, I'm trying to reclaim my tribe. Like, and we're like, what? <laughs> or one of our friends was like, oh, oh, he's trying to do an accent. <laughs> Steven, that was halfway I'm through the f- movie we recognized it. Yeah. Steven, I'm going to uppercut you till you fucking lose weight. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. And, it, and he did. It was literally like seen it. a communist propaganda film. Yeah. Oh, it was God. like the West just wants to install cell phone towers in Africa to exploit people, but China's going to do it for free and give the source code out and some shit. Or like, That's dope. That's, mm-hmm. Communism never exploited anyone. All right. Um, Glenn Moen, maybe his real name, maybe not, says, Dr. Reed, how reliable and how valid. Damn. This motherfucker coming in swinging. Marcos, you see this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he says, how reliable and how valid are our current wearables regarding the data collection of metrics like heart rate? Are they going to get better? Big love to RP. That's actually a good question. Yeah, really good that's question. a legitimate question. Um, it honestly depends on what tech you're getting into. Um, things like, so the established companies are somebody that you can rely on pretty well um, for like things. Polar like Polar or something? Yeah, like Polar Garmin, that kind of stuff. Um the biggest problem that's coming across it, especially with wearables that are on the wrist, is that when you go and do any sort of activity, that moves and it doesn't get shit. So you can totally lose reliability um, with it. Uh, it's getting better, of course, but it's still it's still got ways to go. So if it's wrist only, you wouldn't recommend people buy it? Not for if, if measuring heart rate during a training session is important to you. But if you're looking at resting heart rate, fine. That's great. If you're going to sleep with it and whatnot. Um other ones, you got things like the shirts that are actually the measuring like respiratory rate, heart rate. What? Yeah, dead serious. Some do like terrible uh, EMG. Like oh my a, god, like a that's shitty awesome. EMG. Do yeah. any of them breathe for you? Like sponsor me. That's the next stop. 
Yeah, that's it's the first layer of us getting our exoskeletons. Oh my god, I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. But no, they're bad. Some <laughs> some of some of it's good. Like you get into like respiration, that kind of stuff. It's awful. It does. It shows Still you just nothing. Noise. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It's not. I don't know anything that's been around for a long time. You can pretty be pretty confident that it's gonna like it's been around for a long time. It's somebody's gonna have analyzed it. Somebody's gonna have said, "Hey, look, something's wrong. Let's fix it," and they'll have fixed it. But this new fancy new stuff, I never touch it until it's older. Like, so, would you say like a take home point for folks listening is if you're thinking about wearable tech to track, you know, body uh, dynamics that go with tried and true that's been around for a while, go with simpler and oh, leave yeah. the fancy stuff to people to sort out and don't be the one that pays for it. Oops. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Jake, what do you think about um, the, like the wireless accelerometers? Those have been out for a little while now. Do you have you used a uh, lot of them? Example. So there's like the push unit. Oh yeah. There's like the beast, like the little magnet Bluetooth ones. They seem pretty cool. I've used them before. The one of the big limitations is actually just their sampling rate because they're Bluetooth. They're yeah. like twenty hertz or something, just like really. Go, which for the bar was here, and then it was here. Yeah. yeah so twenty sure. hertz means twenty measurements per second, which which sounds like a lot, but it, comparatively, like when you do something in a lab, it'll have like a thousand hertz, right? So it's like not even close. Have you used a lot of the accelerometers? Or? I actually have a push band. Um, that's been va- validated, like even with Vicon, like at the highest level so some of them are good Uh, but it really does depend like uh, unfortunately you either got to go into white papers or you got to go into something else to actually be able to like or research to know is it actually good or not i like shoot when we were at a&m they had um these uh monitors in the helmets to measure um concussions and like for concussion risk and it just measures blood. <laughs> Splat. You bled onto it. Well, the, you know what's the funniest thing? So their uh, white paper, which a white paper is what they're like Yo, internal. Fam, keep saying white paper. And, uh, I know, just right? Paper. I'm, it's an, uh, there's an underlying tone there. I hope you're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it out there. <laughs> no, that's just like the term for their internal like validity and reliability. And they literally like hung a sledgehammer in the air and let go of it and smashed it into a ballistic jail skull to like determine if just their whole game but these helmets were coming up and it was like oh here's 1000 hits of that are within the magnitude of danger it's like well a is that right and if so what the fuck but b it's like well it's probably not right thousand was high but it's still like 100 150 in the time period that you wouldn't expect it to be in so some so a lot of false positives basically yeah tons of false positives and it's it's kind of good because it's going to detect every hit that is a concussion inducing hit oh, but it's sure. kind of bad because coaches will try it and it'll be like so our guys are basically just dying on the field permanently even during practice we're like yep yeah, like all right this, this is bullshit we're not getting anything out of this yep. yeah so i think that kind of stuff you, you you'll either dismiss it immediately because you're just like oh it's just like giving me so much I, who cares right? right or you'll be too conservative yep. right where you yep. be like oh every contact like matters now where i would prefer that the nfl switch to two-hand touch. i was just gonna say that oh man <laughs> flag football hall of fame you know rugby like they, we do a lot of two-hand touch most <laughs> a- you anywhere do. you go play people will do uh, just for practice purposes because there's times where you don't need to do full contact it's totally okay this is uh, america every time it's full of fuck contact goddamn right brother mm-hmm. tell you what man we're hitting people out here man Man, you ever seen a bald eagle two hand touch a fucking rodent? (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys seen the uh, 
There's been like a, a football league lately, just no pads. It's football rules, no pads. Oh, God. Yeah. In America mm-hmm. or Russia? No, here. Oh, shit. That's it's so- nasty. This is people teeing off on each other. Yeah. No, it's that's like just total like smashing each other as is hard as possible. Is injury rate like pretty nonsensical? It's, uh, I would assume so. I have no idea, but. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Get tackled once without a helmet. You're probably like, you know what? I'm good. I'm not playing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> just a low roster's flowing. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Oh, ooh, a very interesting one. <clears throat> From Rumpelix. Mm-hmm. A gentleman that looks like, like a completely white rumps. face with gray background because he doesn't have a yeah I guess no no picture a man that is staying away from the all same right, guys Rumpelstiltskin ask what you know, why are you getting all fucking contestation I'm trying to get on with the questions bro I want I want to get to the good shit you need like uh, the spirit calming I know I haven't done a ceremony in a while <laughs> <laughs> all right. Rumpelik says, how much does the vertical leap ability of an individual stand in relation with genetics and how much with actual athletic performance? E.g., how much can this ability be increased through sheer training and how much is predetermined through factors like fast, slow twitch fibers? And he's got a part two we'll get to, we'll get to in a bit. The first thing I'd like to say before we let these animals just tear it apart is there is a presumption in this question, which may be accidental, so I'm sorry if I'm inferring too much, that genetics and actual athletic performance have nothing to do with each other because they're being treated as independent variables. He's saying it's either genetics indicator or athletic performance. Athletic performance and genetics overlap about 90%. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that my first answer is the vertical leap is highly genetic and highly related to athletic performance. Also, yeah. I think there's a, another point worth differentiating within the question. Is it is it just raw ability, like raw jumping ability, or is it the capacity to improve Mm-hmm. I, within the question, I'm not sure if what you know, like, are you saying like, is it genetic or training? Or you say like, well, some people are just more genetically gifted and they will have bigger vertical leaps, but some people can train really hard and improve it more than somebody than some other. They're responders to training. You know what I mean? So it's like there's definitely yeah. there's an average response to training, which I would say to well, Jake, what do you think? The average ability of a person within a several year time frame to improve their vertical leap. Uh, is it something on the order of like endurance training where you can like double and triple your abilities or weight training where you can get two times, three times stronger? Or is it something more akin to like a 10% improvement or something like that? What do you think? I think it, you have to look at where they're starting just like initially. Okay. Like if you take somebody that's, you know, let's just assume like a base, uh, college, fresh college freshman coming in, you could get probably, 20 percent 10 to 20 percent maybe in a year oh no i over the career over the career over the four year yeah so if you're jumping like 40 percent under like the league standard you're not going to be an amazing athlete on your jumping ability probably oh no not at all well and the whole reason we measure vertical jump is for power anyway like it's a cheap way to look at how powerful somebody is and And that transfers to other parts of performance right like what like what other parts Anything that's going to require some sort of explosion. Um, <laughs> there you go. Go on. <laughs> um, oh, that's what you meant? Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you look at volleyball. Obviously, jumping is imperative for those specific positions. But then you look at somebody like a, a libero. Like, they still have to be powerful. They have to be able to move quickly laterally. Well, that vertical component is obviously it's not lateral in nature, but they're still using the same musculature to get to that point quickly, which is the point of a vertical jump is to be as quick as you can in order to get as high as you can. So... I think it's a uh, it's a good test, but we just got to 
I don't know. It's just. Do you think it's old. worth? It's old. <laughs> so I, I think um, I think two kind of within this question, like is it is is pursuing improvements in vertical jump for the sake of improving your vertical jump something that's worthwhile, or is you know for the just to have a higher measurement and say like oh I have a higher measurement now, or would pursuing other training options like just getting stronger or just getting generally more powerful even through like sprinting and other avenues be just as effective that's kind of where i was struggling with right at the end there that's spot on okay. like you train for train for other things and you're you're like strength like power you know move heavyweights quickly and and move lighter weights quickly cover the spectrum of lo- the load velocity curve and you're going to get the adaptations that are just going to manifest themselves through the vertical jump yes it's a quick and easy way to look at um performance change over time but don't worship the test. Right. But on top of that, ver- jump height is uh, not necessarily a valid test in itself to measure change. Because you tell somebody, okay, I want you to hit that point, and they'll, just, they'll get there. Not necessarily because of the reasons that we want to be able to determine have actually changed. So you have to have some way to look at what caused them to get to that new point. So whether it's how long they spent like in the downward phase of the jump or in the propulsive phase, how long they spent in the air, you know, look at things like the reactive strength index, the ratio of flight time to ground contact time. Uh, those are the things that are actually going to help you in your monitoring process. Whereas pure vertical jump is, like I said, it's outdated. There's other ways to get the same information and just as quick and, fr- and free uh, to a degree, you just have to know what you're looking at to get there. You need a force plate for this kind of stuff. Not necessarily. You need a camera, okay. actually. Because so I've been involved in several ventures where I only needed a camera. <laughs> They're fun. Get it, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. You mean like a high speed camera or something like is like an iPad? No, like an iPad, like uh, like a m- selfie cell phone camera. Like never mind. I'm just no, <laughs> seriously though, like you can go and uh, my. In my research is I look at the reactive strength index for things like neuromuscular fatigue. Can you define that, please? Yeah. um, It's the ratio of flight time to ground contact time. So how long you spend in the air versus how long you actually spend developing the power to get you there, the forces to get you there. And we do a depth jump and I record it because it's cheap and free and easy. Just slow-mo on my camera, um, on my phone. Ideally, you want... The shortest development for the highest jump. Exactly. Exactly. Just get where you need to be. Yeah, spot on. And then when people spend a ton of time on the ground to get a really high jump, yeah, that there there's there is a performance that like the training adaptation there that you can actually take into is like okay they're strong enough to get there but they're not doing it very quickly so now let's focus on the velocity component. Whereas if they're getting a decent jump high or reactive strength index, it's just a ratio, uh, but they're spending a very short amount of time on the ground, but it's not exactly the kind of height you're looking for. Maybe now you focus on the strength component. So, like, there's kind of nuances that we can get into with that. That's baller. Damn, dude, that's some other level shit. I didn't know any of that. What the fuck are you looking at, Scott? Not much. Whoa, he speaks. <laughs> you gonna edit that getting out? Getting sassy. <laughs> Yahoo. All right. So these are surprisingly good questions so far. Yeah, they are. Very. Um, People are going to be like, this sucks. Go back to dicks. I was going to say, I feel like I'm like (laughs) reducing the expect, like what I expect. No, no, no. You're increasing the expectations, (laughs) reducing the value because people come with the dick jokes. Yes, you with the dick jokes. The fuck are you looking at, Marcos? You got a fucking attitude problem today? (laughs) Jeez. So hostile today. 
In the blue corner, we have the Ashkenazi Jews. Yes, they're slow, but they're I also... Don't care. Look at you. You're disgusting. <laughs> Look at you. Name it in one sport that Dominicans were good at. Wait, hold on. Uh, Except for I, baseball. Uh, and sex. That's not the sport. <laughs> I'm going to make a mother joke. Are you ready? Yes. Forget it. I'll tell you later. It's <laughs> <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> Sorry, YouTube. You can't have these jokes. Legally, we're not allowed to say too many jokes. All right. Uh, a follow-up to this question. Also, would you consider uh, vertical jumping ability and that being a main key point for an athlete's performance potential overall in terms of explosive power, e.g. for weightlifting, sprinting, etc.? So, like, for example, if you test some children, the ones with the highest vertical jumps, are they going to be your star athletes and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And or if you just come in and just get a group of athletes in a football program, are the highest jumpers going to probably be your best performers? You have a high likelihood of that happening. Okay. It's not perfect, obviously, sure. but there's a, a very high probability that if somebody is a very good jumper, that they're probably going to at least have the physiological ability to do what's necessary. Tactical and everything else and technical are totally, it's totally throws everything out the window, though. Although, if you have good vertical jumping ability, perhaps your ability to coordinate your body and high velocity movements isn't awful, which means that your ability to pick up and then eventually execute technical abilities is probably not the worst. Right. Like it's hard Kyle's, to say, though. Kyle's cousin from South Park. Hey, I've seen people who were strong as dick, but were motor morons. And can jump. You know, like say, like throw this ball and they're, they're like, eh. you know. Damn. But they can jump too. Yeah. What I'm saying is like the, just because you're physically talented. Sure. Sometimes I've seen them also unable to do like what we would say, yeah. like really basic that sports happens in skills. football where you get like guys who can cut real well, run real fast, but they just butterfingers and you just can't catch the fucking ball. And you're just like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Imagine if you had to get a, like a vertical jump test for like your uh, belt promotion. It's like, ah, oh, man, I keep missing that black belt promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be fucked up. Like, <laughs> fuck. Mike One of the like greatest things much. about balance studios in Philadelphia where I train with the Migler Reese brothers and Josh Vogel is the warm up consists of there's no warm up. You just warm up yourself if you want, and then you just go into technique, and then we roll. I've been to uh, visiting several gyms before. Back in Kansas City, where I started, we do a warm-up. It just wasn't that long, so it was okay. I've been involved. I went to Australia one time, uh, several times. One of the time, the warm-up, so it was, it was 92 degrees, I think, like outside, and the gym was not air-conditioned. Um, Crunky. No, so <laughs> that's like, how balance is. Back off, cat! I'm gonna fucking die. It's uh, so yeah, hot, right? It's but like, um, it, here's the thing: when balance has that kind of temperature, ghee turns into literally nouns. It's no ghee now, and there's no warming up, and you just lo- roll at your own pace so that you don't die. At this gym, it was a 45 minute class. We did 30 minutes of conditioning, and then five minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes of um, practicing a technique like with like no life resistance at all. And then five minutes of like 90% or 80% effort, just simple positional sparring. And then class was over. I was like, wow, we did two and a half minutes of actual jujitsu. And then we just basically did like a fucking boot camp workout the rest of the time. It was awful. That sucks. They were fluffing you we up. We ran. Bro. We ran for like 20 minutes. You ran? The jujitsu. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I sort of like, you know. Hobbled. Shuffled. I don't know if there was a flight phase so much. Like both my feet came off at the same time. <laughs> Power walk. Dude, but I just wanted to be like, yo, watch me not run and smash all you fucks. Jiu-jitsu, there is no running. If anyone runs in jiu-jitsu, he's by definition doing something that is penalized. It's illegal. If you're running away, 
That's bad. If you're running towards a guy, you're getting double legged. I don't know what to tell you. It's just all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, do they still run people in football? Like distance running? Uh, not when I was at A&M. That's I mean, good. We, yeah. They did. They actually did a lot of just intermittent sprinting. Oh, hey, that's with, weird. Yeah. With, with distances that were rele- they're relevant to the actual expectation of the sport. Size of field or, or less. Yeah. <laughs> strange. That um, used to drive me nuts. Like, yeah. When they would literally be doing like shuttle runs that were longer than the distance of the field. So like, what, what are you training for? Yeah. Right? Like, doesn't make any goddamn sense. You're going to run three football field lengths in a, in a game at one, t- at one time. Yeah. No. That would be like, they'd be like, you're on like the kickoff return and you run it all the way down and then fumble it. And then somebody else from the other team picks it up and runs it all the way down and then they fumble it and you recover it again. And I you wish run we back. trained for this. <laughs> Machinod says, how good of an indicator is HRV measured every morning for training fatigue? Is it reliable? A lot of HRV questions yeah, always. Are... People really love HRV. Well, that's because so there's a tech out there. As much as yeah. I try to like it's poop part on of it. biohacking. Yeah. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. I mean, the reliability studies are there. It's going to be, it's going to highly depend on your tech that you have available. Huh. Like, if you can do it, great, fine. If you, and if you want to spend the money on that, but what I kind of tech do you need to do it well? <sighs> you need to be able to have something. Well, you need to be able to have something that's actually going to measure while you're asleep. Like the protocol to actually measure our HRV requires that somebody, let's say somebody were to come in here, we'd have them lay down on the floor for 15 minutes in the dark <laughs> in a climate controlled environment to get, to be able to make that assessment. Okay. So you have to have something that's on <laughs> assessment, not second. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Something that's on their wrist or to actually get that measurement while they're asleep during the time period that we actually need to look so at people, HRV. So people look at it in the morning, they're actually looking at it at the wrong time already by definition, kind of? It depends when it was taken. Okay. So if they're looking at it like right when they wake up, yeah, probably not. But if it was taken, say, during the three or four hours prior when they were fully asleep. Oh, yeah, no, no, nobody does that. They wake up and they do this. That, they yeah. confuse it with morning, like morning resting heart rate, like doing those measures independently. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so true HRV measurement is done in a night phase. Yeah. And if you're a vampire, it's done. Well, whenever you are not a bat. What if you're blade? Damn. Day one. Jake, you didn't think you were going to get tripped up as soon as you I got did. here, boy. I didn't, didn't, see blade I didn't expect all the HRV. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I prefer resting heart rate. I think you get just as big of a mag like a big of a magnitude of effect of how you can modify your programming, and it's free. Like you can lay in bed and do this, and then okay, you're good as long as you do it the same time, the same way every single day, or the days that you're monitoring it anyway. You, resting heart rate is powerful enough to do what you want it to do. Can you uh, clue us in on how you would use resting heart rate? Uh, to inform intervention into the athlete's program. Oh, easiest one is the classic resting heart rate and body weight trend. Okay. So resting heart rate, it's a, it was a case study, but they looked at resting heart rate and body weight over time and they're doing daily body weight. It was with uh, gymnasts and um, daily body weight, daily heart rate. Uh, both of them were going down in a similar manner over the course up to uh, day 20. And then at day 20, resting heart rate started to shift upward while body weight kept trending down. So the resting heart rate was what, what it tells us is that 
resting heart rate's governed by you know the the autonomic ner- nervous system where it's just controlled by what the body is actually feeling or uh, sensing within itself so if it increases that means it's increasing to try to fix something else to meet the, to meet drive. right to meet the demand of whatever's happening so heart rate's increasing body weight's decreasing so the heart the heart body's trying to fix itself by providing more blood flow to the whole system and but yet it's not able to because we were seeing that decreased trend in body weight and is it like day 39 that's almost the definition of overreaching yeah mm-hmm. trying to fix but not able to exactly and then at day 39 they had a career-ending injury all of them well, it was just one person. It was the case, but it's, <laughs> sure, sure, it's sure. a good example. And it's just another tool in the toolbox that you can throw in there is to say like, okay, this is my, this is the response to my training stimulus and it's changing over time. I know what's about normal for me. Now things are starting to become abnormal. Why might it be happening? Is everything else kind of going in line? All right, maybe I should start making changes. All right. So I have like a self-fulfilling prophecy style argument but i think i think you'll be on board so usually like people will say like okay if my resting heart rate or hrv are, are off a little bit does that mean i have to stop what i'm doing right or should i start taking fatigue management interventions right away and uh, my position and i think mike has a similar position is you can't base that off of one variable right you can't oh, no. just say like okay resting heart rate was elevated but your performance hasn't changed it's been constant or steady or maybe even improving over time or um, your perception of effort or your perception of fatigue is going down, right? So the I think there's a need to validate these things with multiple measures where you say, okay, like in this case, you have two, fizzy, two fizz measures, right? You have a heart rate and you have a body weight going down, right? That's two things kind of indicating the same general trend. If you have a, a performance measure, like their lifts are going down, maybe their jumps or whatever else, their sprints are decreasing at the same time. Now you have a fizz and a performance measure saying like, hey, my athlete is not in an acceptable state. So it's one of those, like, by themselves, they're typically not very powerful. Mm-hmm. But in conjunction or with collaboration with, like, psychological performance and other phys measures, they can become more useful. Oh, absolutely. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And it also depends on, like, what's the expectation of the season? Like, If you're supposed to be overreaching, like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go. Yeah. <laughs> go hard. <laughs> you can also tell if they're not overreaching and push them harder. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. yeah. I just, one of my, the lecture I just recorded, same thing. They did that study at a very seminal study back in the early 2000s. Uh, Dr. Stone was involved in it at the U.S. Olympic Training Center when they multiplied the uh, weightlifting volume of the athletes by like one and a half and then by two, I think. And they were looking for overreaching measures and they just never found them. They had measured them for weeks Whoa. and they were like, multiply volume. They're like, meh. Multiply volume. They're like, meh. Like, Dr. Stone's conclusion was like, you guys have been under training for however long you've been running this program. And they're like, years? Like, yep, yeah, years. <laughs> Which is funny because Doc's so pro. I was going to say, he's so conservative. Yeah, but like, it's like a hilarious yeah. study. He was like, nope. Because, you know, like you would think, like if you double someone's training volume, they should be like mm-hmm. dead. And they were like, they just kept getting better. And I was like, yeah, all right. Like, that's how you know you're just not training enough. Yeah. Dose response. How about that? Yeah, it's a More training, concept. more fitness. So, um, Jake, I'm going to put James on the spot here. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. James, take off your clothes. Let's uh, show the world. What's take off on. your clothes. <laughs> um, James has told me before, I don't know where he picked up this nonsense, right? This is the usual places. Instagram. Where alley cats go to die. <laughs> <laughs> Under your car. Inside your couch. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Don't cats die in like the most inconvenient places? Yeah. Like- <laughs> You'll find them. 
they like go. I've seen uh, stories of cats like uh, um like crawling up into an engine space of a car and then dying of old age. And people like start the car and then there's the worst smell in the world for weeks. And like, what the fuck is going on? Like, there's been a dead cat in your engine for three months. Have you heard Why? of vegan cats? Yes. Oh god. Talking about like Joe the Rogan, Rogan thing. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. So people started. It's horrible. You know, people always fuck with Joe Rogan for whatever reason, but apparently. There's this whole group of people that decide that have decided that they're going to feed their cats vegan food. Makes sense. Cats are mostly vegetable eaters. And anyway. Rogan has a whole bit on it on his new special where he's like, if you look up the hashtag vegan cat, it's like the cats look like they're fucking dying because they like want meat. They're just yeah. like, <laughs> he's so lazy. He's a cat. <laughs> and cats aren't like dogs where that. they can just eat garbage and eat anything. Yeah. They, yeah. they mostly eat. have to eat protein. Yeah. Uh, uh, big cats are pure carnivores. Yeah. Uh, dogs are omnivorous, technically, although they prefer to eat meat. You could do a vegan bear, but that would just be a really sad bear after a while. <laughs> it's like Yogi Bear. Yeah. So my question was going to be, James always says to me, he'll usually wake me up at three in the morning. I'm like, wake up. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what? He's like, listen, if... A bunch of your measurements for your athlete are not looking so good, but performance is still elevating. We have to put a premium on performance, and we kind of have to say, ooh, the performance is pretty good. Things can't be that bad. James, do you stand by that That uh, yeah, I think spirit of that statement? Totally, because um, the performance is generally going to be one of the most sensitive measures right and it's also really what, it's the outcome it's, it's what you care about yeah it's so the it's outcome like, measurement yeah so we say like all these other ones are great but perf- we put more weight on performance right. we say performance is a more heavily weighted variable right. in general so because everything else is just trying to estimate what is going to happen to performance but if you measure performance directly it's like well listen you know if your heart rate variability is this and that it could taint your performance but if it's clearly not then it's not like who cares so, Jake, how would you go about it? So my, my first guess is like, look, if everything else is telling you you're not doing so well, but your performance is elevated. <sighs> James? <laughs> I have one coming. It's just not quite, quite there. <laughs> um, it's kind of one of those things like probably keep going on the plan. Just stay really alert. And as soon as performance dips, definitely address the problem. But if performance is still going up and if even all of your other measures are like, uh, you're going to die, um, it's hard to make an argument to say it's time to back up, especially in cases where we're supposed to be kind of pushing it. What do you think? I agree. Like the, the funny thing is with athlete monitoring, it's like this huge buzz word and it has its own industry. Now people think it has this huge magnitude of effect and it has some, like you explained it uh, when we were at East, East Tennessee state <laughs> where it was, it's probably going to have like, a point or two of influence, like in a volleyball match. Mm-hmm. There might have some small magnitude, which that might be the difference between first and last. Who knows? But that's kind of what we're talking about here. So it's very small nuances. And so, yeah, if everything's going well, just keep going. I can't tell you, I have all the data that I have. I have only a couple handfuls of instances where I've seen stuff happen that I've been able to say that, yes, there's light, high likelihood that something might occur. And then you either do two things. You make a change or you wait and see. Okay. And I think in that scenario that you're describing, you just wait and see. Okay. If you're not super concerned about catastrophic injury and that you're willing to take the risk and it's necessary for the plan to take the risk, take the risk. Okay. So for now, so, so for bodybuilding, for example, 
that could make total sense, like perfect sense, because if you're bodybuilding properly, you're not really at risk for catastrophic injury. What about for, um, you know, weightlifting is also tough to get catastrophically injured. What about powerlifting? Like, like performance is good, but all of our indicators say that like we're real fatigued. That does increase the chance of like your next squat's your last squat. Do you think that enough indicators to counter performance, like performance is just assume it's great, great, great. If enough other indicators are like, mm, should you be like, if you don't have a meet coming up, especially, should you just kind of call it and deload anyway? Or should you just be like, look, as long as performance is good and I'm using good technique, I'm just going to swallow the bullet and just go for it. it again, it, it goes back to the plan. If you don't have a meet coming up, what's the harm in backing off a little bit? So better safe than sorry if everything else is telling you to go. Right. But, even but if performance you know. is good, that might mean that your deload, your recovery is even less time. And then you're able to recover and adapt in a shorter time period. You haven't put yourself to the point where you maybe need a week and a half yeah. to get back to where you need to be. So then you have longer time training. Uh, so you recover quicker and then you're able to get back to full training, full go training faster. And you're actually probably able to get better adaptation from it anyway. So like on, on the same idea, if you have like an athlete, the exact situation that Mike's presented where they have a bunch of other variables saying like, eh, this is probably not great. Performance is good or even or stable. Could that just warrant an investigation where you just say like, Hey coach, like Johnson here, Johnson, or, you know, I have an athlete who, you know, it's, they seem like something's weird. Maybe we should go like, look into it. And you talk to the person and say like, Hey, what's going on? Like, Oh, my mom died or like, Oh, you know, Jesus Christ, James, but this kind of stuff happens mm -hmm. where they are, you might be hit, getting hits on like psychological perceptive measures and even heart rate measures because of outside stressors, right? The training's not fucking them up. It's because some weird shit happened porn, in their porn life. Porn got a 404 error. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're not, right. they're not able to look at porn anymore at Starbucks. It's a thing, by the way. What? Yep. No, I'm sorry. Uh, explain. This uh, is, is relevant. Starbucks is uh, taking away. They're putting some block in uh, to not allow porn. You know hubs. that's because people were watching it in plain oh, sight. Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah! Hell yeah! But you know what Pornhub's response was? They came back and they're gonna have all right. We're gonna have safer workplace workplace videos now. So you can still go to Pornhub, but have the safer workplace. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that, yeah, it's just even, ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous video. Like, like Showtime porn? The fact like that you're porn? like, they're having a, like a discussion about how to watch porn at work is like, you know, it's right. like, it's so weird. You're like, at work. You're at work. You're not supposed to be watching porn. Like right. go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> Um, so, like, uh, dealing with, like... Um, VPN requests and how to get around Starbucks porn thing. Okay. Like, um, just not necessarily calling to action, like, a, a fatigue management strategy, but even just talking to your athlete, finding oh, yeah, out, yeah, like, yeah. what's going on with them. Because something might be up. Right. So, the easiest way to think of that is they train hour, two hours a day, maybe up to four, five, six, or six is absurd, but who knows? That's still an incredibly small amount of the day. There's a hell of a lot of other things that are going on in that person's lifestyle. So that's where the questionnaires become nice because or questionnaires or any of the monitoring, it facilitates conversation. Yeah. It gets it so you can actually go and talk to the person. Like you're not supposed to look at the screen and say, hey, now you got to go do this. It's look at it and say, I am now informed about something that I might need to be aware of. I'm going to go forward and ask them Get about more it. information. Right. It's That's all it's doing. It's providing you more context that you might not have already been aware of to either support what you already believe or it might be telling you something that you weren't aware of into the conversation. Because that's what needs to happen. You have to have a conversation with somebody especially in that scenario because i think james's point is probably what would hap would be happening in what you were describing yeah 
the gym might be their happy place. That might be where they can go in and totally just get rid of all of the other parameters that are hitting hitting bad. Yeah. But that's where they're like, I get to go in here. I get to chill out. I get to do the things that I want to do. And this is that's where the life isn't happening. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If you're a regular person, the gym is your escape. I think that's great. If you're an athlete, the gym is your escape. That's bad news, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The gym needs to be hell if you're an athlete. The rest needs to be an escape, which brings me to another frustration I've had. And um, this is stupid, but I just... You know, some stuff you've seen your whole life, it's bullshit, but it never stops pissing you off. And sometimes it starts wearing on you more. Christmas um, music? I love Christmas music. Oh. Watch your mouth. Although they started playing it like the day after Halloween, and I was like, what? <laughs> um, so the, there are people on Instagram and stuff will like post a video of them lifting or a picture, and they'll say something to the effect of all day, every day. And I just want to be like, what? What is it that you do every single hour of the week that you want recognition for? It, 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 and they're like, you know, all this are like, yo, we grinding like all day, every day. We're grinding out here. Like we're, we're putting in work. Like you, you can't work that. No, you're not training that much. And recovery is a huge part of sport. And, and I know you motherfucker. I know you missed half the sessions in the week anyway. Lying ass bitch. Talking about pohada and everything. Everyday pohaja, <laughs> which is like cool, but like every day, like you don't even roll seven days a week, man. You fucking liar. Like, I hate that shit. Why can't people just talk about like when I'm in the gym, I train hard? That's great. You know, that's not even that's not true because you deload sometimes, but it's closer. Why do people have to be like, yo, no days off? Like, you get some kind of fucking award for that. You know, the, the hardest working athletes in the world take days off because they're not fucking dumb. What I'm hearing between all the HRV stuff and the athletes and the dumb Instagram assholes, I think during your deload, <laughs> those week, are athletes. Those guys <laughs> they too. think they are. <laughs> uh, Remember you for your deload week, um, maybe just try ten grams of dried mushrooms and uh, you'll figure all your shit out. Namaste. You might not even come back pow, to pow. sport. Nope. Why are you even an athlete? Ask that question. But all that bullshit will just fucking come out. You'll be like, oh, that's what's wrong with me. That's why I keep getting injured. I have actually been to the gym on mushrooms before. Fuck. What? Did you like to lift or just to experience it? I, uh, to experience it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're out of your mind. Five by ten squats program. <laughs> um, to experience it, I went in. So first of all, the music was everywhere. I was like, how did they get the music everywhere? Why is it uh, bouncing off the walls of my big ass head? Second of all, all the mirrors are amazing. Third of all, the lights are so different than any other place. I'm like, whoa, there's tons of lights everywhere. And the, it was just a real like weird look. It was so cool. That's crazy. Um, some of the people lifting, I was like, man, you feel like cultural shit on mushrooms. You're like, I'm not talking about like major culture. I'm talking about like subcultures. Like I think these guys were lifting and they were posturing and walking around. And I was like, it's really important for that man to feel dominant and powerful and i and i sense it but at the same time i know that when he looks at me he doesn't feel that anymore because i'm like three times more jacked but i, I just want him to communicate i just want like to look at him and know i accept you for all of the dot i love it you're great i think you're great the way you are i think it's you're cool beautiful. that you're being an alpha male but even if you didn't want to be it's okay <laughs> it's fine and you're talking to the little boy inside that 
house of muscles like, that listen, he built I, he's crying listen we're just we can be you don't have to posture at me man <laughs> it's great and then i did like uh, a couple curls of 25 pounds young shits are heavy holy shit i was like oh shit fuck that i can barely stand up and then i had a panic attack on the uber lot did you really <laughs> yeah, more or less <laughs> not a real one like there was like it was a bad batch and uh, i got into like some shit where i couldn't really breathe that well so i was like <laughs> <laughs> and like I need to set the fuck down. Uh, but then it was great after. Fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. Coming 2021 RP Underground Psychedelic Lifting Program. Yo, fuck a program. Let's do a retreat where people are like, we're gonna learn about sports science. Like, mm, sort of. We're gonna learn about. Maybe. We're gonna learn about everything around here. Yeah. Oh, Jake's gonna hook everyone up with monitoring devices and then send them to the moon with ten grams. Oh of god. <laughs> Jake's That'd like be a um, hell of a study. Let's like, see Jake, how's it going? He's like, he's fine. He's fine. That guy's been dead for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking to see how long he's gonna come off. He signed the waiver. It's fine. <laughs> He's still going, yeah. but his brain's not. He's not there Dude, I'd be like, if any of you fucks ask a mini cut question, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, oh, it's the, the, the ghost body cuts. dude. He's like, but okay, never mind. <laughs> Shut up, ghost guy. You can't mini cut. <laughs> yep. You don't even have a body, bitch. <laughs> all right. Um, ooh, this is a good one for all of us here. Uh, what's the time frame here? You, you rushing me, Scott? You the no, only you Russian in movie. here. You said that very <laughs> smug. He was like, 48. We are all Russian when we have a cup of bottle of vodka. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why you smile. What is this uh, happy feeling inside my... Uh... Happiness is when famine go away. Huh. <laughs> and killing start. By the way, I, uh, I got the audio book of uh, Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago. Uh-huh. It's basically all about like famine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's no, horrible. Yeah. It's yeah brutality yeah anyone who's like i'm a socialist you just have them read that book and they're like um nuance clean now. your damn yeah, room like, and read a gulag archipelago it's number one on my book list <laughs> on my website hey jordan peterson <laughs> good to have you on the you know what fuck booking actual guests on this mug we're just gonna have marcos do impressions of everyone i gotta practice yeah who that was pretty else? good well that so was. we're gonna have jordan peterson who else can you do hey can you do ben shapiro go ahead make fun of my people marcos i'll do that one behind behind do cameras. trump can't do it. You got to practice. Trump. I got to practice. Yeah, the sports scientist is the best podcast. It's the, the greatest. It's phenomenal. It, 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 no one has a better podcast. The Russians called me. They said they want a sports scientist podcast to themselves. Uh, Tanner Wine. Uh, that reminds me of the strong, uh, uh, strong, the song Strawberry Wine. Mm-hmm. You guys know that one? I know the song. Strawberry Wine. By Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> The Punani. God damn it! I have not thought about that fucking song. <laughs> Fuck. Yo, that's that's like my favorite song when I did this movie. It was like what I was doing when I was like practicing. <laughs> Mike Tyson showed up. Oh, the Punani song was so gross. Mike Tyson, have you read the Gulag Archipelago? <laughs> I think it'd be quite interesting the, because if you look at the at the hero's story, right? So it's like you have this Hydra here, Mike, and I think that really you would. Sorry. I don't, uh, there are no heroes in my story, only villains. <laughs> I have heart disease. <laughs> nah, that was like in shapes ago. That wasn't like fucking fats ago, fucking doing bouncy hunter shit. Or cops When's the last time Steven Seagal ran in a movie? Uh, God, had to be above the law. You know, if we ever get Steven Seagal on this podcast, it's going to be awfully awkward when he sees this one. Mm-hmm. Well, good thing you know well, jujitsu for his Akita. Yeah, we looked into booking Steven Seagal. It's hypothetically possible. I don't know why we haven't done it. Bro, I would get every Dominican in the Northeast to wait outside with like fucking like waiting for an autograph. That would be fucking awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> he gets in. He's like, ah, who the hell are all these people? Like, your fans are like, I don't have fans. Like, I got the fucking yeah. bodega union Whoa. out here. Bodega. Sweet. <laughs> um, pan or wine? At what point do you think it's appropriate to step in and tell someone to stop the ego lifting? For example, people who load up a leg press with 20 plates for quarter rep calf raises. That's a good one. Nah. So let's talk about that. The ethics of who does this person have to be to you for you to tell them something? Yes. Is yeah. there first that, right? Because they be, I am completely of the opinion that random people in a gym are none of your fucking business. They don't even exist. Damn, how many grams? They're are you part on? of the matrix, <laughs> right? They're the all simulations. Fake. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> this kid's like, "Oh my god, my knee! Get me out of the leg press!" Mark is like, "You guys don't have to help him. It's a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the test." <laughs> um, so, like, if you don't know the people, yeah, I would just let them do whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a slight possible exception to that rule. Let's explore. They're like 13. It's clearly like their first week in the gym and they're doing something they just don't, you obviously just don't know. It's really dumb. Maybe you could be like, Hey buddy, what are you doing? Uh, what exercise is that? And like squats, I think. And you're like, Oh, cool. Can I give you some tips and maybe be nice about it? And if they're receptive, great. And if they're not, fuck them. Then motherfuckers got to learn at some point. What do you I, guys wouldn't, think? I wouldn't go out of my way to help someone. I know that already. Um, <laughs> fuck them. Um, you know, when I first started training, like personal training, uh, I wanted to save the world. I was like, I'm going to fucking help everybody. The motherfucker swinging on the lat pull down behind the neck, all that shit. I got you. And after the first year of like trying to help everyone and everyone's like, fuck off, eat a dick. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know what? You're right. I'm not going to help anyone who doesn't ask for it. And if, you know, sometimes now that we, we look like we know what we're doing. If well, I get that I, I weird do, you dude, don't. you look like you eat a lot of fucking cereal. Um, but you get that person <laughs> that like makes that awkward eye contact with you when they're doing something like stupid. On yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, it's a pack deck is like up. Yeah, like, just a cry weird. for help. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Fucking fine. I'll help you. Yeah. Or I'll make a suggestion and but I'll walk away. Time, but I won't invest too much time because right. it's like, dude, if, if you're bothered by other people ego lifting, you got to work on yourself, bro. Oh, damn. That was deep. Yeah. Well, there's like an arrogance that you have to address too, where it's like. I know what to do. I know better than you, right? That's essentially you might. you might, but that's also like it's not like you said, and it's not your position to like go and tell people what to do, and like you can't go around thinking that like you know exactly what they're trying to do, and that you know how to do it better, and you understand the context. You know what I mean? It's like it, it is an arrogant thought process where it's like clearly I'm above you. Like no, you're not. You're just another guy in the gym. Yeah, you got to be aware of like just adding on to that. Like what you have no idea what the hell their plan is. Like, context exactly there's no context at all you go in the gym you see a snapshot hell of a lot more other stuff going on if they're loading up a leg press to do calf raises that might be the end of their day and they might be done in the next five minutes not your lift not your problem there you go yeah yeah so i would say just don't do it it's also like uh, i think especially like men approaching women that's got all kinds of other shit involved. yeah, yeah that's another layer. just don't just don't like, so I see, like you're like squatting and stuff. So I could like really help you because I'm like a personal trainer, and I think you should go deeper. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually well intentioned, but it yeah. often comes no off, thanks, off the wrong way. Often well intentioned. Yeah. Well, it's well intentioned for a variety of reasons, but some of those are not lifting related <laughs> yeah. intentions. Um, yeah. I at one point was uh, training Dr. Melissa Davis, your fiance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Annie of RP fame, yeah. also two RP coaches. And uh, this was years and years and years ago. And I was like running them through like a deadlift workout at uh, UC Irvine gym. And like at the time I was like, you know, 
a little worse body comp than this, but like 235, like clearly lifts. And they were in very good shape. And I was teaching, was clearly instructing them how to deadlift. And this guy who was 125 pounds at my height. Excuse me. And nerd boys. Cue the nerd boys. Excuse me. <laughs> That's just a speaking just a Romanian deadlift. Also called so um, he decided he was also going to illustrate some deadlift technique and started interjecting. And, you know, like, I don't get mad at these things. I was just like, Mel was getting super fucking pissed. Mel but, was probably uh, more jacked than he was. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. She could have killed him on spot, um, but he probably would have enjoyed that. So uh, he was like 125, like 5'6", and he had like hair down to his like ass, which was really cool. So I was like, yo, I'm going to listen to whatever the fuck you say. <laughs> but he was like... Like, he heard what I said, and he's like, yeah, what you could also do is blah, blah, blah. And Mel and Andy oh. were just like, they did this, like, resting bitch face, like, eye glaze, where they didn't turn their, they didn't turn their eyes, they just turned their heads at him, and they were like. <laughs> and they looked back at me, and they're like, you were saying? And I was like, so anyway, and he, like, did this, like, multiple times, and I was like, dude. Get out of here. I know you're trying to fucking kick it. You feel me? So nasty. Okay. Real quick. So, so what ended up happening? Sorry to finish the story. Yeah, yeah finish. Uh, Mel and I made a bet for like twenty bucks. She went into the locker room when he was the only one in there, and she was like, "Hey, do you want to do this or not?" And he was like, "Yeah." And she beat the fuck out of me. Like, I'm pretty sure he died on the way to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So I had a similar yeah, experience. Yeah, we were lifting with Alex, Mike's friend Al. Who, for those of you who, who don't know who this person is, imagine um, Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> you know Al watches these, right? Yeah. Well, the, the, he's 6'5", so, 160. He's like really lanky, right? And we were lifting uh, in Northern California. I don't remember where, but we're at some gym. Al had said like, hey, can you watch me like do some squats? And he was doing it with like, you know, not to, I'm not trying to put He was fun. working on technique. He was working like on technique. Bar, yeah, 65. with like 65 pounds. But he was like, uh, he squats unbelievably deep. He does full yeah. squats at 6'5, which is like a real God. trip to see. Yeah. So yeah, Al's doing his thing and some like old school, middle aged gym bro guy from buttfuck nowhere comes up and he's, and he's trying to get Al to squat low bar. And I'm like, dickhole. <laughs> Right, like, first of all, this guy's clearly, he's he's not, like, lifting a ton of weight. He's got yeah. 65 pounds on the bar. Yeah. He's working on technique. Was he like, a Ripito guy or what? I don't I know. I looked down and he was like, your asshole out. You know, he was, like, t- prototypical, like, uh, he was, like, 6'2", 250, but mostly fat, wearing, like, a, you know, USA sleeveless shirt and, like, a, you know, bandana. He's there to work. Yeah. Just one Did of those guys. Pack? Did he have shorts on? <laughs> No, he had like sweats, you know, oh, like, like the gorilla, like, the, the yes. striped shit, the gorilla like the, wear that's shit. That's awesome yes. because the, uh, the gym With had a no man. George policy. Yeah, exactly. Just like, dude, wh- what? Are you trying to get this guy to squat low bar when he's got like a 10 on each side? Come on. It was Al, definitely Al, not Al really so polite. I was, like, was oh, very polite. I was just like, oh, oh, interesting. And I probably turned to you and was like, so anyway, James, what do I do? That's literally, I was just like, keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. You know, the guy was like, kind of like gave me one of those because I basically dismissed like, like just do what I said we're here together we're friends yeah. bro trust me I've been lifting for fucking 30 years <laughs> yeah PhD exactly. I wipe my ass with your PhD <laughs> fucking nerd <laughs> fucking fuck yeah, fucking nerd like, you, you ever run five good. grams of test every other day I shoot test in my fucking eyes fucking eyelids I'm blind but I'm fucking jacked. fuck you <laughs> that's the thing though like it's like a level of arrogance like he had no idea he, that that I have a PhD in sport physiology. You know, yeah. been working in your, strength your accomplishments. Uh, he had no idea. He had a PhD in prison workouts. Why are you? Maybe. True. 
But like, so it's for you to approach anybody, like you have no idea. Presumptuous. Yeah. It's presumptuous, and you're assuming like that you have a level above them that but, may or may not so, be. So there's there's two there's two funny examples on the internet of that. People telling Constantine Constantinops that he's rounding his back too much. Oh yeah, yeah. Thing. It's like he's only rounding his upper back. You fucking idiot. His perfect technique. Second one was this guy commented on Zadrunas Saviskas video, the greatest overhead presser of all time. Zadrunas was doing uh, a Smith machine high incline press, and this guy's like, "You could get a lot better results if you switch to the barbell version." And like YouTube came down on this guy with one tidal wave. They were like, "Do you have any idea of who you're speaking to?" He's like, "It's just technically correct. It doesn't matter who he is." It's like, no, he invented overhead pressing. He could overhead press the moon from the Earth if it came. And down the guy down. overhead presses like. <laughs> A dowel or some shit, like the FMS dowel. He's like, he had "Ah." no videos. (laughs) (laughs) He's got great mechanics with a weightless object. Yeah. So in any case, folks, I think we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping it up. It's been real. It's been fun. Dr. Jake Reed, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Great monitoring questions today. James Hoffman, great seeing you again. Surprisingly good questions. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Instagram. Marcos. Finally, some real shit. What do you have to say for us on a life note? Uh, for all the young boys watching this shit, wrap that shit up, B. Yeah, some shit going around. Folks, see you next time. Peace.